With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today we have Idle Threat with us, and Idle Threat is a tooth and nail band, one of the more recent tooth and nail bands. And we have Justin with us, and we have Ernie. Justin, what do you do in the band? And Ernie, what do you do in the band? I play drums. That's about it. (laughs) I play guitar and do the screaming. Really? Ernie, you look like an Ernie. I don't know if I've ever met an Ernie (laughs) that looks more like an Ernie. Dude, you're not the first person. Actually, you know the band Church Tongue? Church Tongue? Okay. All right. no. Their vocalist one, t- one time told me, he's like, yeah, that makes sense. When I introduced <laughs> myself, <laughs> I didn't know if that was like a good thing or a bad thing. But you know what? I've embraced it. I've been made fun of my whole life for Burden Ernie. But you know what? It's my name. And it's sick. You know, that means it. you guys got to do a cover of... Uh... Scrub a dub, dubbing in the tub, or whatever. Yeah. That one is. Oh my god. <laughs> I will say, Colin. I don't know if you've seen this on their Instagram, but you guys have maybe my most favorite kind of like teaser video, and that is your video where you like redid the King of the uh, Hill yeah. theme. Yeah. Oh my goodness, it is uncanny, Fantastic. and it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> you guys literally look like you could be on King of the Hill. Cool. Good. It's Good. funny, actually. Zeke like dyed his hair and just happened to look exactly like Boomhauer. <laughs> it was perfect. Like we do we, every record, and I don't know if we're gonna do it for you know this one, but like every record, we try to do like some sort of spoof. And yeah, yeah we, we did a full house one for the first EP we put out, and then yeah, we all love King of the Hill. We watch King of the Hill like all the time together. What will be this album? What's the spoof? I don't know. I, I've always well. been pushing for a like jj is a huge or justin is a huge simpsons guy and uh yeah i would love to do a simpsons theme spoof if we could pull that off i think i could do it i could be cool. editing and stuff for it so I, I really think i could do it yeah do you have any do you know any good animators no it would be live action oh live action oh, even live yeah. action i love it yeah it'd be live action well i'd love to see it you know uh speaking speaking of image real real quick I've noticed that in a lot of your guys' promo material that uh, like anytime you guys have a picture, it seems like Justin's in the middle. Is it a thing with bands where they try to put the most attractive dude in the middle? <laughs> well, the most attractive dude in our band is really kind of not even in our band. So. <laughs> <laughs> we have a touring uh, uh, guitar player named Nathan, and he I'm convinced he's the most handsome man alive. Wow. <laughs> that is high praise. Yeah, usually you'll see in like at least older band photos, you'll see the lead singer being the front and center of band yeah. photos. And usually those lead singers, because they're lead singers, are the most attractive ones. But it's yeah. weird how, how good vocals tends to go along with good looks. <laughs> right, <true>. Ernie? <laughs> Guess so. I'm the only one that's married, so uh, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Well. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about Idle Threat and your history, and we'll talk a little bit about the new album. But uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about how Idle Threat started and what uh, made you want to do this kind of sort of post-hardcore and I don't know, indie rock kind of band, whatever it is that you would describe yourselves as. Well, there's really like two sides to this story that kind of come together. So I'll like start the Transcontinental Railroad. Huh? Yeah, yeah. 
and Ernie's is much more interesting. So I'll just like gloss over my part. Does his involve Chinese migrant workers? Is that what makes it more interesting? Oh. <laughs> uh. Uh, so uh, Zeke, uh, our singer and bass player, he and I were in a Spanish class together in high school and just befriended each other. And we ended up being in like a drama club together and stuff like that. So we always played like Fall Out Boy covers together and like me, him and his brother would like jam and stuff after school sometimes. But we always kind of knew that we wanted to be in a band together, but we never really like put it together until... Ernie came along and Ernie. Yeah. So I guess while that's going on me and so Zeke and I uh, met at church, both uh, on the worship band. And uh, I would just like, before we're actually like practicing or rehearsing, we'd just kind of screw around and uh, I'd play a lot of like Chiodo's riffs and things like that. (laughs) And Zeke listened to some of those. As you do when you're prepping for worship music. Exactly. Right. All of it out. And uh, so Zeke was like, oh, dude, I love that band. And so we bonded immediately over that. So we started getting together. I hadn't even met uh, Justin yet. And we were like, hey, let's just like start writing some music. So uh, there's a venue in town called Headache House. It's just a DIY spot in a basement. And uh, it sounds like an opium den. <laughs> you're like, seriously, it was like the dingiest place. But like, And all the bands that played there were like, rat bastard and like crazy names and, uh, <laughs> the red rocket riot it was insane so we wanted to play there and so we decided to form a joke band called fecal matters and uh fecal matters. we uh we had a couple surfers headlining <laughs> <laughs> if we could have opened for them that would have been the perfect tour uh but yeah so we just like we knew we wanted to play there. We got together with some other guys that I had been in bands with in the past. And just like those other bands with those same guys, the members just like weren't committed to it. And so it dissolved. We never even got to play a show, but we were, we knew we wanted to Zeke and I still wanted to do it. So that's when he's like, Hey, I kind of, you know, kind of write with my friend from high school. Like you should come over. So I went over one time to, to Justin's house, never met him before for a practice. And we were a, uh, an up and coming pop punk band all of a sudden <laughs> That's how it kind of started out but i was not content with that what about pop punk were you not a, a fan of that made you want to change the sound yeah it just like wasn't my it, i've never really listened to a whole lot of pop punk i mean i liked mayday parades a lesson in romantics like i liked some bayside stuff but like i was through and through a post-hardcore fan and killer i just i wanted that i wanted that aspect to it so that's kind of i think when you accurately throw out like like whatever you guys are like the genre we've kind of had this ambiguous sound for all this all these years it's it's because we literally have three members who listen to vastly different music and everything in between though uh, i think that's what really has drawn me to you guys that just this it's kind of all my favorite parts of the hardcore post-hardcore scene i would say even like some emo stuff thrown in there that makes me really drawn to you guys. It, it, there's, there's not a lot of bands doing it like this. And, and I really, really dig it. I think your new album is probably going to be, um, you know, in my top five albums of the year. Wow. Just listening to what I've listened to so far. We got a pre-listen, so I feel yeah. pretty lucky about that. But yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm really, really digging everything here. Uh, so early on, you guys, uh, you, you guys are making some, some pretty... Uh, ambiguous genre type music even even early on right yeah i'd say from from the jump i mean we had it would have been it was less mature you know it wasn't good we have EP (laughs) that like we to this day we took every all all of it off of uh the internet and stuff and Ooh, you guys! You guys got the FBI to come swipe it, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah the minute <laughs> we black. did that with all of our early episodes too, so I get it. <laughs> yeah, we did do that. <laughs> we, needed, we needed to grow, and so what you end up finally hearing—the earliest stuff that you could possibly find—is that ambiguous stuff. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, so, first EP is that is that growing tired in that came out in 2016? Was that considered the first EP for you guys? It is now. <laughs> okay. I was curious just because you said you, you know, got rid of a lot of stuff, but yeah. 
when, when, when did you guys actually start then roughly? Uh, 2014. 2014. Okay. Okay. Late 2014. I think our first show was in November of 2014 and we put that EP that I can't speak of out in uh, spring of 2015. So, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you got, you guys kind of flipped the switch on that pretty quick. If you went from EP in 2015 to no, that never existed. Here's 2016 <laughs> growing tired. It was a meltdown that made it happen. Remember? So I, Oh, I need to hear this story. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we played a benefit show in Nashville, really cool lineup. I mean, like some of the locals that we really dug at the time, I don't really know if any of them are still going now, but I just remember we're playing this old stuff that isn't out there and people just did not care. And they walk, you know, went and took their smoke breaks and, I mean, the band right before us literally had a packed room. Then we play and there's like just our friends that came to see us and might have been oh, like man. a couple others. And you can see like the way the venue was set up, like you can see them <laughs> like they're not in the room, but I can see you not giving a shit. So I just kind of <laughs> like, OK, this uh, we, we're not playing another show until we, get, we, we write some new material. And that's like saying it mildly like I was pretty like heated over that whole thing because I just knew like it wasn't their fault I mean we just didn't have stuff that we really believed in we, we did at the time but you know we, were, we didn't know what we were doing and we were just trying to figure it out so at least that's my perspective I don't know what was it like being on the other end of that JJ when I was like super pissed off man it was one of those things like it was a lingering feeling and then it was always just kind of like looming over everything and we played that show and it just it felt so weird literally playing and watching people like leave because mm-hmm. they were there for like the hardcore bands and stuff. But like the first EP that we had, the songs that we had written, it was like half like ambient stuff. And then also like a pop punk song or two. And then like one heavier song. And we were just like, we can't do this. We have to mm-hmm. find a way to kind of like mesh these things together and just roll with that and that's when we began the process of writing grown tired and that was a good uh process but if we didn't have that show you know who who knows what would have happened so ernie did you feel do you feel like especially responsible like maybe like overly responsible for that for the uh lack of attention or, yeah or care yeah um like, is that why you were so heated? I mean, like, do you, do you feel like it, it, it affected you more because, you know, you're the guy that's putting your, your fucking voice out there right out front? Yeah, I mean, I think anyone who's been in uh, a band knows that their early stuff, their, your first stuff is not, like, incredible. I mean, all, there, there's very few bands that put out something that they're just, like, stoked on from the beginning don't you just hate those bands i can do it right away yeah oh yeah yeah. there's several here (laughs) like every band (laughs) in nashville is better than we could possibly be but like i think for me it was more just like that feeling of like when you're on stage and you uh you get lost in the moment right a lot of people can talk about or that's not just stage it's like in sports too like people are in the in the game and they're just focused you can't hear the crowd you know you're like in it you know, I experienced that from stage, but to be pulled out of that and be like, whoa, no one cares. <laughs> Where is everyone? You know, it was such a crappy feeling that I was like, something has to change. And it's not them. Like they're just doing, you know, I, I now have experienced their side of it, playing mm-hmm. with bands that you're like, man, going outside, taking a breather sounds really nice right now, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah, that was kind of just like a an eye-opening experience, I guess. I 100% blame you, Ernie. <laughs> <laughs> fight, great fight, mustache. fight, fight, fight. <laughs> With great mustache comes great responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you, sir, were not living up to your responsibility. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My bad, man. My bad. I'll take one for the team on that. <laughs> so that show was the turning point for you at least to realize that you really needed to make a change. 
at what point did you start to get a sense that, oh, like this is how all of these different things that we want to bring together actually come together? Because I'm sure that was kind of also maybe another turning point of, okay, we know that there needs to be a change. And then knowing what that change needed to be, that's a different moment. Did you, what, did you have that kind of moment? I did. Um, I think when we first started writing uh, Grown Tired, and honestly, it's been extrapolated going into uh, this new uh, record process, but I looked at our strengths in our band, and I think Ernie and Zeke both you know, have very distinct voices, and they get to use both of them, and the way that I play drums, I just hit the crap out of them. And I'm, you know, I'm just like a little dumb hardcore kid. So like that, that's my <laughs> skill set. And then you have our guitarists, I guess, Ernie and then Dylan and Nathan, like what they bring to the table and then what Zeke brings to the table with like bass. And we, we kind of just found what works and we're writing whatever we want. We kind of steered into the skid of like, all right, like, we all love hardcore music. We all love pop punk music. We love little melodies here and like ambient stuff here. We're just going to see what we can like concoct. And, you know, if, if we believe in it, hopefully other, other people will too. So, yeah. Yeah. I think specifically within that record, uh, the song colorblind was the first one where it was like, well, this sounds new uh interesting and something that like kind of blends all of those things he's talking about like yeah uh in a way that we had been like kind of searching for we had grown also like just as musicians individually gotten better at our instruments i'd been playing guitar for probably a decade but you know i wasn't always in a band and that for me i've always grown better as a musician by being with guys that pushed me to be better so it was just kind of a natural thing like you know the second the first EP, uh, the one that's out there was just an opportunity to like, re but with that, with reinventing yourself, you also like have to try your best to like tear down that first impression that you had already given to a lot of mm. people. And we've had that yeah. struggle throughout our whole career still from, I, it's gotten better, I think now, but uh, the first couple of years, even with Grown Tired, people who maybe had written us off weren't going to give us another chance. Mm-hmm. Hmm. maybe they do now. I don't know. I think they do. Uh, I think, I think a lot of people have, have really been turned on to nothing is broken for good. And that's really, you know, set them on a path where they're like, I better make sure I check out to see what this band's doing in the future. That EP, I have to believe that it was pretty influential for you guys. I mean, I, I have to believe that it, it's changed some things. Totally. So having come from ground tired to nothing is broken for good. We were eager. We were excited. We knew we had a batch of songs that were even better. And we knew at that point, at that point, we had been touring on Grown Tired for way too long, like three years. Right, Justin? Wow. Like, yeah, that's I tough. think it was close to like 200 shows or something. It was a lot. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> on an EP, too. Yeah, yeah, right. Right. And and touring a lot, like very often, at least a weekend uh, every month, you know. Mm. And uh, we're doing some longer ones, like 20 day runs and things like that and making connections, meeting new people. And it was taking us places. And so we were really excited that we had that momentum. And now we had songs that could get us even further. And then recording that thing was the worst. Like <laughs> that process, we, I mean, full transparency, we like almost didn't make it as a band just because of how hard it was to get through that process. The reason, the end result, um, we really love those songs. Still, there's things I, we would have done differently now, but it got assigned and that was really cool. Uh, so yeah, arguably, you know, it did open the doors for a lot of things to happen to where we are now. Can you talk about that signing process? Because I'm sure when you first started jamming together, I, I don't know, did you have this vision that at some point maybe you'd be a signed band or... Did that just kind of fall in your lap or were you working your asses off to that point? Or I don't know. I'm just really curious about like what the intention around the band was initially. And then I'm sure a lot of things changed once you signed to this label that I'm sure you listened to a lot of those bands. So, yeah. What was that whole process like leading up to it and then kind of your initial reaction and response when you first signed? 
I could speak for both Ernie and I here, at least from the get go, but we both grew up like tooth and nail kids. So that's sick now to see that we're signed to this label that put out so much music that we, you know, grew up with. But we started this band just to, we joke all the time, we just want to rock and roll. But like, you know, we, we started the band just to hang out and make music and play some shows and maybe tour and see some cities. That that was it. I don't know. We kind of just put our noses down and we worked our butts off to get where we are. We have friends and stuff that tell us all the time that, you know, we're the hardest working band and all this stuff. And we never really had anything given to us. So we had to like go get it. We've we've done a lot of DIY stuff. I mean, you guys even have your own festival, your own music yeah, festival. You guys, yeah, play. that's incredible. Yeah, I mean, that's just part of that mentality of like no one is going to give you anything, at least not here in Nashville. I can't speak for other markets, but like everybody's a musician, you know. Like, what do you have that's special? Yeah, you know, unless you truly are special, like something that's just like, well, we haven't had this like generational person or band in a while so i think yeah we just kind of had that mindset where we it was more so a realization like we weren't getting offered shows that we made sense to be on you know bands that we sounded exactly like you know not exactly but like we get compared to like as cities burn or something so when they would play a local that was like crazy heavy would open and be like whoa that okay interesting you know so we just take (laughs) a note of it and keep moving and we just knew it was like all right well let's just work and see see what happens so yeah it was never really like a i want to be a signed artist it was uh like he said it was just a let's just have some fun with this see what we can do and then it just kind of kept each goal that we would meet which might be just like hey let's play a show and then let's play a weekend and then a tour you know it just kept snowballing until the next thing was like hey what if we actually try to pitch this to a label so to answer your question mason we did send an email once we had nothing is broken for good. I think it was recorded, fully recorded. Yeah, uh, it was done. Yeah, it was done. We we're just like, let's just ship, uh, shop it around, show whoever we can. And uh, actually, the only label who got back with us was Tooth and Nail. Wow, and it was like within 24 hours. So yeah, it'd be like a dream, man. It was yeah. definitely like a crap your pants moment. It's like, whoa, this is <laughs> that's incredible. I can never get an email back from Tooth and Nails, so I'm glad that you guys did. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give you our plug. There you go. That would be nice. You you kind of mentioned a little bit about getting added onto some of these shows, and I'm l- looking right now through some of like the the shows that you've been added to, especially when you were playing in Nashville. But you've like played with like Birds and Row, Sixty Eight, The Threats. Devil Wears Prada. You've played like with some bands that are some of my favorite bands in the world. And I'm sure they're, you know, just touring through Nashville, but it's so cool to like be a part of such an incredible scene. And a lot of these bands are the same kind of bands where they like just work their asses off to get to the point where they're at now. So to be surrounded by artists that are quote unquote doing, you know, are successful (laughs) as much as you can be successful in the music industry. But for bands that are just simply the only thing that makes them really special is the fact that they work their asses off and to see them get to a point where, you know, they're signed and doing things for 10, 20 years or whatever it is. It's really cool to know that you guys are like kind of following along the footsteps of a lot of these bands and playing shows with them now. Yeah, for sure. I think the Birds and Rose is an interesting one because that's another example, I think, of working hard for it because it wasn't a show that was just like offered to us. Like you mentioned our festival, Threat Fest. Mm-hmm. Um, we had actually contacted Birds and Row one year to play Threat Fest in the off chance that they were here in America. And of course they weren't. And so they said no. So then like a year or two maybe go by and uh, I get an email on that same thread. So it, the, it said like Threat Fest 2015 or something like that. And now it's 2017 and I have a response to that thread email asking if we would set them up a show in Nashville. And so that is how that first, we played them twice actually. And then the second time was on their own tour uh, with listener and they asked us to play that. So it was just another, like, you know, it wasn't like offered to us without us having like done some work on the front end, you know, Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That first Birds and Row show, I think, that we played at 70s House, 
I think it's the only time I've ever been nervous before a show. That was it was such a cool show. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. And those guys put on a fucking great show too. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So the new record, Blurred Visions, is 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 gonna be coming out here very, very soon. Tell us where this maybe takes a little bit of a change. Uh, obviously, Mason and I have heard it, but uh, for the listeners. I think this this record really does do a great job of encompassing everything that this band has to offer. We have some of our slowest and softest songs that we've ever done, but we also have the heaviest. And thank goodness for the producer we worked with, uh, Brett. He um, did a killer job, like really like pushing us to work and, you know, stretch our abilities and songwrite and all that stuff. But putting that together and crafting that with him was an amazing process. And I really do think that what we're bringing to the table this time is just a full offering of, okay, the, this is what idle threat is. I, I think it's a, a perfect first like LP. Um, so I really hope people like, Get, get give the whole thing a chance you know not just like nitpick some songs but well i think i think you guys did a good job of giving yourself a chance right away because the first song is absolutely one of the greatest like openers i've heard all year uh, uh driftwood right it's the first yeah. you know, the first song the song is so good uh it just it hooks you in so well and i think that uh it was a perfect choice to start off yeah. that's one of my favorite songs we've ever Definitely. written yeah, that song's it just rips all the way through. That was actually one of the most complete songs that we took into the studio. Oh, that's right. It's the first one we recorded. Gotcha. It was yeah. the first one we recorded that as soon as we got there, and uh, it was the one we felt most confident about as we brought it in. And we actually did a lot of writing in the studio. So hmm. um, yeah, that one changed Fun. a little bit, but it takes a lot of turns in there that are, I, I think will definitely keep people interested. It's very cool. good, very cool. very good. Appreciate that. One of the things that I noticed initially is the production value from the e- the last EP to this new album. There is such a difference in that production value that, and that's not to say the EP, the last EP had a bad production value. It's just the production of this is really great, and I think really suits your sound really well. Brett's the man. Yeah, that's all I gotta say. Brett yeah. knocked it out of the park. Yeah. And then we had uh, Troy Glessner master it and he did a great job too. And yeah, I mean, nothing but the deepest admiration for the barbershop studios and, you know, and moving forward. That's, that's our place. Hopefully, hopefully we keep, if, if schedule allows, then, you know, I would love to keep recording with Brett. That's cool. Yeah. One of my favorite things to look at is the increase in production quality in the last five years especially but when you take some of like your favorite albums from back 20 years 30 years you listen back to them you're like god these sound terrible but they're still great albums if only they could you know could have recorded with the same equipment that you guys just recorded with and (laughs) the same producers and the same (laughs) studio and stuff like that just where the quality is just so much better I'm kind of nostalgic that way for old albums though too sometimes I like some of those mistakes and those kind of off timber or off timbre soundings uh sounds in the music and stuff like that but you know that is how it goes any other uh, excitement from from blurred visions like excitement as in like other tours coming up or uh you know what is kind of the release looking like here yeah we will uh release two more singles um we just released one called no turning back we'll have two more coming out and then the record out october 29th is that right yeah. And the week or two weeks before that, uh, starting October 17th, uh, we're going to do just a about a week little run, you know, with like times with COVID still being like very much a problem. Booking a tour is still actually like very difficult. And so uh, we're planning on just kind of doing some small stuff this year. We're going to go out just mostly like South and Midwest. And then, uh, yeah, next year, hopefully do. So this will be like the Blurred Visions tour part one is what we're calling it. And then we'll do uh, a part two or three or four, however many we need to do next year. Uh, <laughs> some support, some support stuff. So cool. Man. That's what's on the horizon for us. Dig it. I'm glad to hear that you guys are going to be getting 
getting back out there and everything like that. Uh, also, yeah. n- the new music videos are quite uh, quite crisp and clean as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, congrats on those. Thank you. So, again, we've talked a little bit about your relationship with Tooth and Nail. I'm kind of interested in knowing what has Tooth and Nail's reaction been to the first kind of listens of the album. We really love it, but we're not the one giving you money for it. So, what does Tooth and Nail think? Well, we are. We're buying it, but yeah, that's true. <laughs> Ernie, do you have any feedback on that one? <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm the one I, I talk to the A&R guy the most. So yeah, no, they're they're they've been really cool. Uh, it's been with the you know really only had the the EP and experienced that, and like with COVID kind of taking away our ability to do anything with it, it was sort of a. a I mean, we got a music video out of it that was really cool. The response has been great. I mean, doing interviews and stuff with, you know, we didn't do any of this stuff. This is just like new to us and we don't know what we're doing with all that, but it's, uh, yeah, the opportunities have been super cool. Music videos are to come for this record and yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been really cool. I don't know. I mean, I guess I just, uh, am still eager cause we're only on one single release mm-hmm. at the moment. And so, yeah, yeah I'm just, you know, eager to see what they think they really dug the record i mean it was cool to like have that conversation jj and i were on our way back from the studio and we got a call from adam and he was just like uh, so you know how do, how you feel about it and i got to kind of gush about how awesome the experience was and then um, he obviously hadn't listened to it yet because we just it wasn't done and so then once he got it he was just like yeah the, these songs are like really killer and yeah it's been cool and you know they offer their they offer their input too just mm-hmm. like we don't always have to take it, but they, they do offer like, Hey, you know, these are the singles we think we sh- you should do. And this and but they're, they're overall pretty, just like, it's your, it's your band. It's your, your songs. So it's got the freedom and the financial backing. You can't mm-hmm. go wrong with yeah. that. <laughs> One of the really cool things about tooth and nail right now in the roster that the more tooth and nail side rather than the solid state side has is that for a really long time, tooth and nail had all these great indie bands, me without you and Amberlynn and just a really great, like Indian alternative sound. And then, you know, then there was the whole, like they got bought out and they just like their sound changed. And then I think they went back to being independent and you really start to hear more of this DIY, more indie sound. And I think like when I think of like that sort of, current tooth and nail sound i think of idle threats like it is just you guys really have exactly the kind of sound that i would think tooth and nail would have at this point in their history and should have for that matter yeah that's true they should have and it's just cool to hear now going to be a full-length album of the kind of sound i would expect tooth and nail to have because i think yeah there was this sort of distinct sound that tooth and nail had from you know like the mid-2000s or so and and even though it's a little different now, it's still really cool to know that there is kind of this indie sound that's going on with Tooth & Nail from indie pop stuff that they have to obviously the most more post-hardcore acts to the more indie rock acts. Uh, but anyway, it's really cool to hear you guys and how sort of, for, at least in my opinion, have this sort of defining current 2021 Tooth & Nail sound. From the like solid state fan groups and stuff like that that I follow on Facebook and elsewhere, they're most excited. They're over the moon. They're absolutely loving it. So I would Very say, well, praise. I mean, that, that's like the core audience, right? I mean, that's that. Those are the guys that are that are there, guys and gals that are there to support you guys first and foremost. And I think it can only grow from there. So I I, I think that this is going to be a huge record for you guys personally. And I think that, uh, um, I think Mason and I are going to be ex- extremely excited to see, you know, the next, uh, five plus years of where you guys end up. So. I hope so. I hope that you know. you're cheesing, you know, it's just like all of those things are things that we thought ourselves. We've had conversations within the band. I mean, we're not dumb. Like we, we kind of, you know, we use the internet too, just like everyone else. And like, we're in the, I'm in the labeled group and, I, you know, I see like people talk about like, man, I, I saw a comment the other day and I, I'm not normally like a huge comment reader because that's how you, you know, get depressed. But uh, <laughs> I did do a little bit of looking and, uh, you know, I saw one say like, oh, this is so refreshing from the pop stuff that we've gotten kind of like what you're talking about, Mason, like 
you know, they kind of changed a little bit and now we're back. And we're not like, we weren't an effort to bring that back. We're not the, the martyrs for that. We just, this is what we listen to. This is what we write. And yeah, I mean, those bands from the mid 2000s are like, still listen to them every day, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, it's very flattering. Thank you for saying that. Cause it, it means a lot to hear that people uh, acknowledge that there is a chance at least for the old glory days of tooth and nail um, for the, at least for the post hardcore stuff or whatever we are. Yeah. 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 I think that's like the cool thing about the tooth and nail community. You know, there are a few butts out there, but for the most part, the tooth and nail community, especially those who grew up with all that mid 2000 stuff, they still are really committed to tooth and nail and they want to see bands like yours succeed and they want to support bands like your own. And so for them to continue to rally around new tooth and nail bands, even though it's not the glory days, if you will, it's really cool to still see a lot of the diehard fans like Cullen and I really trying to do our best to support a lot of these really great bands that I wish had the same sort of momentum that a lot of those early 2000s and mid 2000s bands have but regardless we really support a lot of the stuff that tooth and nails doing right now and yeah you're just you're one of those many bands that we're really excited about i remember when your first ep came out I mean, this is how like uh justin and i like got connected i was like hey i'm actually a big I, I, <laughs> he didn't probably know who i was and i certainly didn't know who you are initially but i saw that you were somewhat associated with idle threat and i was like wait i'm actually a really big fan just so happen because I'm one of those people that like really cares about what Tooth and Nail's doing, and so it's just really cool for Tooth and Nail to continue to have this long legacy of really great bands, and for the Tooth and Nail community, for the most part, really rally around a lot of the the bands that Tooth and Nail's putting out right now. Uh, it's actually really funny. I a lot of times I'm sure everybody does this, but you get like replies or whatever on Twitter, or Facebook or whatever. And you like, don't know who the person is until after you've said something. <laughs> I like replied to you. I don't even remember what I said. And then I like clicked on your profile and I was like, I've 100% listened to his podcast. Like really oh, cool, man. <laughs> so I, I have listened to this podcast. Yeah. Um, We've had some friends and stuff that have been on it. And then, you know, that led me to the other podcast that you do as well. And it's it's a small world so we don't we don't mention it here so make sure you don't say what the name of it is i didn't i didn't that's right yeah I, I know i know i was just i'm glad that you didn't that's why i'm just like putting that back out there <laughs> okay cool cullen hates when i self-promo no i don't it's religionless church everyone go check it out <laughs> fucker all right <laughs> let's chat about your top three most influential albums again you guys are tooth and nail kids so i'm really excited to hear this list and i know in fact justin literally has a chariot flag behind him and, and in I've, front of him and in front of him yeah. <laughs> and ernie has said that he's a big me without you fan so i'm expecting one of those two bands or both of those bands to be in this list. So uh, who wants to go first? And are you guys ready for this? I, I have mine. It's... I have mine too. I mean, oh, wow. Be... let's go you back and forth. So I always like doing it that way. I go to sleep thinking about these bands and I wake up thinking about these <laughs> bands. So I'm never not ready for this question. All right. Are you playing rock, paper, scissoring to uh, scissoring? Uh, for... <laughs> for... <laughs> <laughs> No. JJ, Who wants to go first? first? Who wants to go first? We'll first start with number three. Like, let's go. Let's go and uh, you know and work our way down. No, yeah. Like, what's your, what? What? Not number one. Not your top record. Yeah. No, go three, three. And then you guys should go two. Yeah. And you go one. Yeah. That's how numbers work, Colin. That it. is right. how Good numbers job. work. Good they were Good arguing job. about it. So <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't gonna let them do it anymore. <laughs> it would be easier if we did. If if I could have four, I'm not trying to be selfish, but they're all just so different. But all right, we can do four. Uh, this isn't your podcast. You don't <laughs> stay in your lane, Ernie. We're we're rolling with it. Um, so number four for me is gonna be uh, "Take This to Your Grave" from Fall Out Boy. Really? All right. You're the first person to put like a pop punk mid two thousands radio really? play type type band on here for sure. The love I have for that band is just endless. I mean, their last couple records up. <laughs> I don't really like dig, but man, they had such a great run in the pop punk world. And Andy Hurley is one of my favorite drummers like ever. That guy rips. 
Yeah, that's a solid number four spot for me. Is and Pete Wentz is really, really cute. He always goes right in the middle, just like you, Justin. Oh, he's so hot. I want to get a photo <laughs> with him. <laughs> I will say, I, I'm not the biggest Fallout Boy fan. However, I have recently gained a little bit more respect for them because a lot of their early stuff was really squarely in the punk community. And they actually have, yeah. to a certain degree, a lot of hardcore respect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As does... And I've actually been really getting into them recently or sort of like reintroducing myself. But Newfound Glory also has a huge hardcore punk respect like that. Where where have you been, Mason? Come on. I'm I'm just finding this shit out now. I had no idea. (laughs) It's never too late. (laughs) Where was I? But all right. So that's number three for you. Number three for Ernie. Okay. Three would be mean everything to nothing by manchester orchestra yeah that's make that makes sense yeah huge (laughs) huge manchester fan yeah i so i guess that record just you know came out i was in high school i guess when it came out i remember i was in a band at the time and like we we just like decided we were going to cover pretty much multiple songs off that record but i to this day shake it out or whatever is still like that ending just gets me man and it's yeah. so so incredible and i've seen them a couple times now and just everything i do i'm so i'm a big and you'll see probably in my list i like lyrics are so important to me and uh andy hall just his writing is incredible everything he does but specifically with manchester they just can mm-hmm. do no wrong in my in my eyes they really seem like a band's band yeah, for oh, sure. So many bands really respect them as a band. And I love when bands name themselves after things that they aren't. Yeah. Like they're not an orchestra. And I love that. I love that. One of my all time favorite bands, and this sounds dumb, all time favorite is in like, they're in my top 100, is a band called the Kilimanjaro Dark Jazz Ensemble. <laughs> and they are definitely not any of those things. They're great. But I love when bands do that. Yeah. Did you ever listen to Tony Danza? <laughs> oh, yeah. That's extravaganza. You yeah. Bet. <laughs> Absolutely. Josh <laughs> Travis can do no wrong, in my opinion. <laughs> I, I Until he got with a mirror, personally. But that's just funny. He made them better, though. He did he make them, them significantly them better. Way better. There's something about adding a couple extra strings that does that sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Justin, number two, most okay. influential album. I'm consolidating because I did four. I'm consolidating two and three. <laughs> okay. So, Three would be uh, Plagues from the Devil Wears Prada. And then okay. two is Long Live from the Chariot. Okay. Ooh, that's my favorite Chariot album. Yeah. Uh, both of those bands, like, I could talk about them for hours, but I'll spare you. Um, <laughs> but I just, Plagues, when it came out, I remember buying it at a Hot Topic. And <laughs> I wore that record out. And I still, like, I still have it heavily in my rotation and then for long live like for the chariot it was more about like live performance and stuff but it's heavily in my rotation still like i have a couple of the copies on vinyl i have a chariot tattoo on my leg like i have the flags and all this stuff behind me that that record is just a masterpiece like from front to back and i mean you guys know this so i'm preaching to the choir here but yeah, it's a solid two spot for me. You uh, do you have the chariot skull? Is that what you have? Yeah, I do. Killer. Yeah, Cullen yeah. loves the chariot so much that he covered up his chariot tattoo recently. I did uh, only because it said "Long Live," and uh, I've decided I don't want any script on my body. I just oh, want okay. I just want pictures. My, mine's the skull, and it says "Long Live." So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get the skull at some point. <laughs> just because I definitely love the chariot, but people just read long live very incorrectly. They think they like that you have like a narcissistic trait where you think you're the king or some shit. I'm like, Oh, that's not what I meant. Yeah. I I got asked one time if it was a Taylor Swift tattoo and I was like, there's a skull above. Does she have a song called long live or what? I don't know why I got asked that. I think she has a song that has that like in the chorus. Like she says like long live or something. I would have just rolled with it. I don't know. All right, so that's your two and three. Ernie, yeah. you're number two because you actually follow the rules. Yeah, except I'm, I'm not going to because my two is split, is a tie. Yeah. Uh, 
All right, guys, it's your top four most influential albums. <laughs> Usually we do five when we have a single artist on. So okay. you, know, you guys are you guys are good with the this four. One I'm to be okay is uh wars and rumors of wars by oh. the cherry no one says wars yeah the most underrated yeah. chariot album yeah. absolutely Agreed. i love that record uh, i have i also have a, the chariot tattoo and it's from that from daggers i think so. uh i think teach is maybe the most catchy song that they ever did we yeah. used to cover it we did, did you really yeah yeah that is the most badass thing ever there might be a video on youtube there might I'm be gonna go that that I'm, gonna, I'm gonna see if i can find it there yeah so uh and also number two is redeemer by norma jean mm, yeah for um, sure been a huge fan of norma jean my entire life it feels like and uh first saw them with every time i die and cancer bats mm. and uh that would yeah. be a hell of a show it, yeah it was it was is that at rocket town it was and i was and yeah i was I, there were you yeah <laughs> I mean, anyway, I know, that's crazy. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, that show was incredible, and I, uh, my, I remember I was still young enough for my mom to have to pick me up after the show. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, Mason and I actually have matching Norma Jean tattoos. So really, right. yeah, we yeah. do. We have uh, the little hook man from Oh God, the Aftermath on our back, yeah. or I've got it on my back. He's got it on his calf. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm it's about getting that too. So that's cool. It's controversial for sure, but uh, I actually think that Norma Jean is better with Corey, and I love Josh Scoggin. So I agree because I think that uh, I think that one album, I, I think Bless the Martyr, Kiss the Child, or whatever, is it is it the other way around? Why not? I always, I never no. get it right. Bless the Martyr is, is the first. Okay, good. God, I whew, scared my, myself for this second. <laughs> I think I think that album is is just like cemented in perfection, forever. And um, uh, I think Corey definitely made it more melodic and more, yeah, more interesting, more layers and for sure, yeah, for sure. I Not agree. to say that Josh wouldn't have taken that band to huge right. levels, also. I think, yeah. I think, yeah, I agree, but I just think that uh, uh, he was looking for more a melodic things at that time. Agreed. As as uh, the Chariot would probably tell us exactly like everything album. So. Totally agree. <laughs> All right, number one, Justin. Number one, my favorite record and most influential record of all time is Jimmy Eat World's Futures. That's my favorite Jimmy Eat World song or album as well. Also, the most influential band for every artist we've had on yeah. has to be Jimmy Eat World. I, I just can't believe it's at least every other. I bet it's at least two out of every three at least. And we like we've interviewed from like impending doom to striper, <laughs> and yeah. it seems yeah. like yeah. every other band yeah. cites them. It doesn't matter what genre they are. Yeah, they're just in incredible musicians. Yeah. Uh, Jim's an incredible songwriter. I'm gonna overuse the word incredible. They they should be called the Incredibles, but there are very few perfect records I think that exist, and they have like three <laughs> of them. So <laughs> wild. Yeah, I just I love them so much. And, you know, Futures has always just done it for me instrumentally and lyrically. And, you know, I can listen to it on a good day, a bad day. I don't know. It's just perfect. Very inspiring yeah. all the way through. Absolutely. It's 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 their best, in my opinion, as well. Uh, Ernie, final and most influential album. Yeah, uh, it would be Catch for Us the Foxes by Me Without You. Naturally. Yeah, they, again, mentioned, like, lyrics being my thing. And that record just, when I got into this world of music, uh, specifically Tooth & Nail, you know, that was, like, the first band. I, I, tr I, had, I love, like, Under Oath. I love Norma Jean. I love Seosin and all the bands that kind of were popping up around that time. But those were all, like, acquired tastes for me, you know? It was, like, I remember uh, I had a stepbrother who gave me a CD that had all you know is mixed and had all the all these songs and one of the songs was an under oath song and I remember being like I hate that at first right <laughs> but but when I a guy I went to middle school with we were on the same track and field team he showed me me without you and he was into all that stuff too but he showed me them and it was just like instant like this is really sick mm -hmm. I'd never heard anything like it you know at that point I was probably listening to just whatever was on the radio so it really was just like the window into this other world that I needed. And then 
The thing I love about them, though, is like, okay, that was like the first hook. But every time I revisit it, there's more and more to unpack about that band. And uh, whether it be that record specifically or just like their weird quirks and things that they do as individuals or as a band, their connections with, you know, other 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 bands like Norma Jean and uh, kind of the features with Paramore. All, you know, there's just so much in the Me Without You lore. And I have just dug it ever since. And, and, and when I think of like putting out records and putting out music. I'm always thinking about it through the lens of like, what would me without you do in this situation? Not that we're trying to like copy them, but artwork always matches for them. Mm-hmm. I've talked within the band, like how cool would it be if all of our artwork matched all the time, you know, like had a, had a sort of look and it, it doesn't, we didn't end up ultimately going that way, but I'm always pitching that to them. That's what me without you did. That's what they did. And uh, I'm sure they're really sick of that, but that's, <laughs> it's just been like, yeah, I don't know. It, it's a, I will forever love that band. They will always be my favorite. And that record, seeing it also all the way through when they did their reunion or the 10 year tour of it was just like outer body experience kind of yeah. for me. Yeah. If you yeah. had to write a story of an indie band, you couldn't write a better story than Me Without You. Like they just from start to finish and every aspect of them is exactly how every indie band's history should be yeah. if you're going to be an indie band for 20 years so right. yeah, yeah they've they've just nailed it at every step of the way uh they're yeah they're probably they're certainly up there in my top five maybe top three favorite artists i mean i've seen them so many times i freaking love them i've written grad school papers on them and yeah. so i'm just a big fan of me without you too awesome. and yeah catch us catch us for the foxes was my first introduction to them as well yeah so good. And then everything after was great too. I mean, brother, sister. Yep. Could easily be my number one too. But there's just something about that that time. It, yeah. That one record is yeah, it hooked me. It was the totally. one. Well, that was a great list. I mean, I think I've mentioned before with other lists that like, well, that feels like the most of my list, but collectively this probably is like yeah. the list I would <laughs> maybe put. Yeah, uh, this is almost every, you know, The Chariot, Me Without You, Norma Jean. There's just so many bands in there that are all some of my favorites. <laughs> Same. We're at the point now where we ask you if there's anything you'd like to plug. Obviously, new record coming out uh, October 29th. Anything else uh, going along with that? Buy the record. <laughs> Buy the record, guys. Buy it. Buy the record. Spend money on the record. Is there any? Is there any potential for it to be press for vinyl oh it's okay we want it okay we want it (laughs) yeah we know people want it two things covid has delayed production yeah ton so the short answer is vinyl will not be out with the release right second thing is we're still a younger band so there's a little proving up that has to be done yet if yeah it's it, there is a little bit of we'll see how it does yeah but you know what we've always been a band to make it happen so yeah and and, and if that's if we want it we're gonna make it happen so, I'll so just that that curious about that then does do streams go into kind of how like a, a record label will be kind of seeing how you prove yourself up uh or or is it only off of physical copy copies i mean Stream. i yeah streams as well good it's streams yeah they i mean it's take all of that into account I mean. yeah it's like a numbers thing you know it, it all gets i mean where we live where we are now in this state of music yeah streams are uh, essentially the same thing now as yeah. actually spending money on a record very interesting i mean there's probably bands that get discovered just exclusively with how many streams that they're mm-hmm. they're getting yeah so uh, if you are out there, please put Idle Threats on your Spotify playlist and things like that so that it gets out there. Yeah, let's, let's get these guys heard. Let's get these guys uh, into some new ears, huh? Yes, please. Mm-hmm. We'd love that. Buy the record, come see us at a show. You know, we're going to be around. So The, show, the shows are going to be exciting. I, I, uh, I, I really hope that we get the, the chance to see you guys. We're, uh, we're in Minneapolis and uh, in, in South Dakota, so 
you know, if you guys are thinking about it, Minneapolis would be a great spot or Lincoln mm-hmm. would be a great yeah. spot or Omaha or something like that. So oh. Fargo, uh, we'll, we'll definitely be putting out the, the beacons for you guys. Uh, Just for you guys. We'll make it out. Oh, all right. It. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll make it happen then. Anything else you guys like to plug? Yeah. Uh, so one thing I'm currently working on right now, I have a good friend of mine named martha stewart that we are uh working on a cookbook oh, hold together. up hold up hold up martha yeah. stewart is your friend you can't just throw that out so casually i don't like to name drop but so me and martha are putting out this cookbook right that is uh heavy metal themed it's called jane doe and <laughs> really um, yeah it's just all about different pastries and we're gonna have you know scones and some eclairs and uh but it's all gonna be you know, like uh, when like a death metal band puts out that logo, and it's all splintered. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's yeah. like what we're working on is sort of like a black metal. I uh, really, I really love when um, someone like Martha Stewart converges with yeah. you know the underground scene a little bit. Right. Um, that just uh, that makes it makes things so much more attractive and appealing. I can't believe that you guys do this. So like eclairs, like how how, how does an like, is it a metal eclair? Is that like is yeah, that like, uh, just bl- like black eclairs. Exactly, it's just filled with black. That is a trendy thing right now. I hear that, uh, that that people are are just putting like charcoal dye within their food. Exactly, squid ink. Yeah, yeah, squid ink as well. Yeah, toothpaste yep. does it right. I mean, there's all kinds of. I think there's water that is black. So yeah, yeah. yeah I keep getting yeah. YouTube advertisements for mud water. Don't know what yeah. that's about, but that's a well, thing. Well, there's black water as well, but you yeah. want to try to avoid more of, you want to <laughs> avoid like the private U.S. military yeah. black water version. Right. You know, I, I will say <laughs> it seems like an odd pairing, but Martha Stewart has some street cred because she was in jail for a while. So if there's jail. anybody that knows metal, it's her because she was behind bars for so long. Exactly. Yeah. And we're, she's best friends with Snoop Dogg. I mean, how much Snoop more Dogg. street cred can you get? We're targeting our target market is actually prison inmates. So we're hopeful that wow. she can get back in there. And so it's going to go like in like the, the prison library. How, how do they get, do they get time to cook? We'll figure it out. We'll smuggle it in. <laughs> Damn. Love I don't it, know man. if you're going to be assigned to tooth and nail for all that long. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this sounds like this sounds like way too successful to be a thing. Yeah, just edit out edit out anything that's like incriminating against me. Is there, is there like a name to it? Like, is it called like Martha's Metal? No, it's called Jane Doe masterpiece. That's, it's called it's called Jane Doe. Oh, yeah, you said Jane that. Doe. Yeah, my bad. My bad. No, yeah, yeah. Martha is kind of only like a, a small. She's sort of just the uh, angel investor for it. Yeah, she, just the money huh. behind it. I'm yeah. the face of it. Uh, what what do they call those things? Like angel fingers or whatever? Like a little like pastry thing. Um, funnel cakes no there's there's something called the finger anyway what you should what is it fingerlings maybe i don't know those are potatoes those are potatoes there's something called like like angel fingers or something like that what you should do for the cover of the book is have like a jane doe like tag like death tag off of the off the finger (laughs) of like an angel finger or whatever it's called or a bear claw there you go Ooh. possibilities are endless yeah anyways i'm really excited about it i, I think it's going to be cool i think these prison inmates are going to love it and uh yeah and by the way doe is spelled d-o-u-g-h right, that's right. Oh, oh, that's right. oh oh my gosh mace that's brilliant i know okay brilliant. all right I, d- I just needed to double check because i'm like that's, that's right. got to be right right yeah that's right that's i right. love it and justin are you a part of this as well um, I, I'm you want not. no part in this. I want no part. I, yeah, I'm more of a barbecue guy. I'm trying to start my own thing. We're gonna do the whole Jones barbecue and foot massage. Whoa, thing. I love oh. that combo. Yeah, I'm trying to reach out to Guy Fieri. It's uh, Fieri. it's in the works, or as Mason would say, it, yeah, Fieri. Fieri. <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah, you can't go pitch into to Guy without knowing his. The, the true pronunciation of his yeah. maybe maybe that can be book number two maybe so every single one you just you just like you work yeah. with a different like high profile celeb yeah and that's the first test though is you gotta say the, the last name correctly he won't even he'll just write you off if you don't say <laughs> that's, it that is true that yeah. is true <laughs> he'll never take he'll shank you with his frosted tips <laughs> yeah, that's right <laughs> <laughs> awesome well we really look forward to both jane doe 
and the new album coming out, guys. This will be really, really awesome. Again, Colin and I have already been listening to a lot of it, and we're really, really stoked. It's going to be one of those albums when we do our top five albums of the year uh, episode. We're going to have to fight for who gets to mention Idol Threat. So already uh, claimed it. All right. Well, you already claimed it. So, well, I guess I guess Colin's got it. But uh, regardless, <laughs> we were going to fight over it. But so, thank you so much for talking a little bit more about it, and we really look forward to the uh, album release. You. Appreciate you guys having us. Hey, thanks, fellas. Been good. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.